Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I am Avi Strasberg, and today we're on Daf Yud Zayin, Daf 17, continuing our study of Masechet Ta'anit. Yesterday, the Gemara delved into the difference between the obligations to fast for the Anshe Mishmar versus the Anshe Beit Av. First, let's explain those terms. There was a lot of work to do in the Beit HaMikdash, the holy temple that once stood in Jerusalem. The first temple stood from 957 BCE to 586 BCE, until its destruction at the hands of the Babylonians. And the second temple stood in the same spot from 538 BCE to 70 CE, until destroyed at the hands of the Romans. Work in the temple required around-the-clock dedication, care, and sacrifice. To make this work more manageable for the Kohanim, the priests responsible for all sacrificial service, the Kohanim were divided into 24 different groups called Mishmarot. These Mishmarot would take turns doing the work of the temple, each one taking a week at a time until everyone had served in rotation. These Mishmarot were then further subdivided to seven different smaller groups referred to as Beit Av, or House of the Father. When a Mishmar was on temple duty, each one of its seven Beit Avs would be responsible for one day of the week. During that time, the rest of the Mishmar was on call, ready to help if the Beit Av responsible for that day needed extra assistance. This way, the task was never too great for one group, and everyone got a chance at a good night's sleep. Our Gemara on Daf 17 picks up on this discussion of the responsibilities of the Mishmar and the Beit Av when serving in the Beit HaMikdash. We learn in a Baraita, why do the rabbis say that, that the Anshe Mishmar are allowed to drink wine in the evenings, but not in the days? The Gemara answers, Shema al Lest the work is too great for the Anshe Beit Av, the people responsible for the sacrifices of that particular day, and the Anshe Mishmar are called upon to assist them. The Gemara continues, why did the rabbis say that the Anshe Beit Av cannot drink neither during the day or in the evening? Because the Anshe Beit Av, when serving their turn, are continually occupied with the work of sacrifices and offerings. The Gemara continues, from here they say that if a Kohen knows to which Mishmar and to which Beit Av he belongs, and he knows that his people normally served in the Beit HaMikdash on a fixed day of the week, he's forbidden to drink that particular day, lest the Beit HaMikdash suddenly be rebuilt and he is called upon to serve in the newly erected temple. The Gemara continues, Shabbat. 
If the Kohen knows his Mishmar, but not which Beit Av, not the particular day of the week, and he knows his people had fixed service in the temple, then he can't drink the entire week of his Mishmar's service. Or, Eino makir Mishmarto, umishmeret Beit Av shalo, veyodea, shebatea votav kuvu imsham, if, in the event that the Kohen knows neither to which Mishmar or Beitin he belongs, but he knows his people had fixed service in the temple, then he can't drink wine the entire year, because theoretically, at any point, his people could be called up for duty in the temple, and at any point, the temple could be rebuilt, and that Kohen could be called up to serve that very day, and he would be unfit, having had a couple of casual glasses of wine with his friends, unaware of his service to come. Finally, we hear from Rebbe. Rebbe Omer, Omer ani, asor lishtot yain leolam, avalma e'ese, shetakanato kalkalato. Rebbe says, I would say that it's forbidden for Kohanim to ever drink wine, but what can I do? Correcting the problem would actually make things worse. According to Rebbe, a Kohen should always be on call, lest the temple be rebuilt, and thus never be allowed to drink wine. However, as Rebbe knows that most Kohanim couldn't hold by this, enacting this ruling would only set many modern-day Kohanim up to fail. Thus, Abai says that it is according to the opinion of Rebbe, against Rebbe's better judgment, that Kohanim today are allowed to drink wine. After the temple was destroyed in 70, BC, in 70 CE by the Romans, Jewish life as we knew it changed forever. Formerly, for hundreds of years, Judaism was centered around the temple and the sacrificial offerings that brought us into relationship with God. The Kohanim, acting as go-betweens between the Israelites and God, made these sacrifices possible. Post Beit HaMikdash, after the fall of the temple, we had to figure out an entirely new way of being in relationship to God that neither relied upon sacrificial offerings nor Kohanim as our priestly mediators. Rather than draw near to God with sacrifices, we drew near to God through prayer. As Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says in Masechet Brachot, the three daily tefillot, Shacharit, Mincha, and Arvit, were instituted to correspond to the three sacrifices of the Beit HaMikdash. For all of us, the Judaism that we have today, absent of temple life and sacrifices, is the only Judaism that we've ever known. But still, at least liturgically, we carry with us the hope that one day the temple will be rebuilt and once again temple sacrifices and priestly service will be reinstituted. In our daily Amidah that we pray three times a day, we chant, Return in mercy to Jerusalem, your city, and dwell therein as you have promised. Rebuild it soon in our day as an everlasting edifice. The question is, when we say in our prayers, the very same prayers that stand in for our temple sacrifices, rebuild it speedily and in our day, do we really expect and hope that the temple will be rebuilt? And just how speedily are we talking about? Today, tomorrow, or perhaps in an unimaginable time thousands of years from now? Traditionally, the rebuilding of the temple represents not only the reinstitution of the temple sacrifices, but also the age of redemption when Jerusalem is rebuilt and God's presence fills the city. When will the temple be rebuilt? When Mashiach comes, all are redeemed, and everything is right in our world. Do we sit back and wait for this redemption to come to us, 
hoping and praying that at any moment we will miraculously be transformed from our current reality in which our society is riddled with injustice, in which vulnerable domestic workers are trafficked into the United States by foreign diplomats and imprisoned in situations of modern-day slavery, in which more than 200 Nigerian girls are kidnapped by an extremist group and used as a bartering chip for the release of imprisoned militants? Or do we stop waiting and start acting, taking it upon ourselves to rebuild the temple and to bring about our own redemption? Marge Piercy, in her poem, The Task Never Completed, writes, Incomplete, becoming, the world was given to us to fix, to complete, and we've almost worn it out. My house was hastily built on the cheap, leaks, rotting sills, the floor, a relief map of Idaho. Whenever I get some money, I stove up, repair, add on, replace. This improvisation permits me to squat here on the land that owns me. Piercy continues, Every day at dawn I choose to take a knife to the world's flank or a sewing kit. Rough improvisation, but a start. As Marge Piercy writes, our house was hastily built. It is leaking, there are rotting sills, and injustices threaten the already shaking foundation. But if we hope to continue living in this world, we can't wait for someone else to come and rebuild the house for us. But rather, in a work of improvisation, we have to repair add on, and do the replacing ourselves. We had to join with organizations like American Jewish World Service and TRUA, the rabbinic call for human rights, that are working to ensure that vulnerable populations are afforded their human rights and to reestablish justice in the world. Yehuda Amichai, in his poem Taurus, writes about the coming of redemption. Once I sat on the steps by a gate at David's tower. I placed my two heavy baskets at my side. A group of tourists was standing around their guide, and I became their target marker. You see that man with the baskets? Just right of his head, there's an arch from the Roman period. Just right of his head. But he's moving, he's moving, I said to myself. Redemption will come only if their guide tells them, you see that arch from the Roman period? It's not important. But next to it, left, down, and a bit, there sits a man who's brought fruit and vegetables for his family. When will redemption come? When we stop fixating on crumbling pieces of architecture and start focusing on the people, on the individual lives standing in front of them. So take up your knife or sewing kit, whatever you have, and let's get to work. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros, from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.